Hey, it's Faith, and you're listening to Not Like the Movies. Today we are talking to a true multi-hyphenate, Aziza Rowan. She is an actor, singer-songwriter, writer, and producer. This woman has gone to so much school, so just to name a few things. She went to the University of Southern California and got her BA in theater. She was nominated there for the Ava Greenwald Award. And then to name a few other places that she studied, she has studied at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, the Groundlings in Los Angeles, the Imagine Life in Los Angeles, RADA in London, the Borough Group in New York, Atlantic Acting School in New York, etc etc as he said i talk about it she's obsessed with school she loves learning this woman has trained in so many different things she's also a founding member of the reputable workshop 360 theater company which is here in los angeles along with all her stage and film credits aziza also has a song in the tv series switched at birth and she also has a podcast that you should check out it's called sibling grievery and i will link that in the show notes Aziza has a lot of years of wisdom in this industry. She grew up as a child actor and then did the whole thing in her 20s, came away from acting, and now has come back to it. And I think she brings a really nice perspective into the love that we all have for this art and how it will come back to you and how much she's enjoyed falling back in love with acting without the added pressure and negativity and shame that she had when she was a little bit younger in this industry. So hopefully if you are feeling a little bit more like young Aziza was, this will help you feel a little less alone and bring you a little bit of hope that it does get better and you can find your love for this art again without the industry ruining it. A little peek behind the curtain, this was recorded before the strike was over. We are aware that the strike is now over, (laughs) but if you hear us talking about it, it's because it was recorded pre-end of strike. So thanks for listening. This is Aziza Rowan. So what you think, so what you do, they don't really care about you. So have a drink and think it through, but baby, it's not like the movies. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your life. I know you have things to do. Oh my God. We all do. Um, yeah, but thank you for having me. I'm, I was excited to do it. I, I've been listening to your podcast actually. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I, I really like it and you're great. Oh, yeah. thanks. It's not an easy medium. It's, it's challenging and I, I have a podcast as well. So. Oh, cool. What's it called? It's called Sibling Gravery. It's actually with two of my best friends from theater school. Actually, we all sadly have lost siblings. So we've oh, been wow. doing it. Yeah. So it's about the grief process, but we've been doing that for six months, I think. And it's super fulfilling in a lot of ways. And I, I never knew that I would like this medium and I actually really like it. Same. I've met a lot of actors that say very similar things. I don't know if it's a mixture of you connect with people all over it. Like I can't be on my phone right now. That'd be incredibly rude. Exactly. (laughs) And you have to purposely be with a person. And I've interviewed some of my friends like Dawson and and I've asked questions that I've never asked them like when we're hanging out. Of course, yeah. Which is really interesting. And I think as actors, we're so used to the attention being on how we look Mm -hmm. and- that aspect that when it's just audio, it's a nice breath of like, I don't have to look beautiful while having this moment. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's all of that. And also just like you said, I think being present is such a big thing being really kind of right here right now and turning your phone off for an hour or whatever it is. Yeah. And it feels like I almost have an excuse to ask more quote unquote, important questions when it's in this medium versus 
you know, at least somebody has prep that there might be more Substance. intense questions. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just like you're out for coffee, you want to like ambush. Someone. Right, right, right. Even though, by the way, I do that. I totally ambush people. I'm like, <laughs> like let's get into it. Really though, what's going on? And then um, after I'm like, were they ready for that? I yeah, don't, I, don't I don't think so. <laughs> or I'll leave. I'm totally that person that leaves like a party. And I'm like, did I say too much? I think I gave away too much private information about myself. Like I just exploded my whole life onto that person that I just met. <laughs> I'm working. I feel on. like that little, it's like a meme or a video that's every time we leave a social interaction and it's a guy that's like, hmm, not my best work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yes. There's a TikTok like that too, where this woman's like paranoid because after she leaves the party, she's questioning why she overshared. And I'm like, that is me to a T. I just, I can't help it in the moment. I think, you know, as actors, it's so ingrained in us to be vulnerable and honest. And so if you ask me, how are things going and things are stressful <laughs> in my life? Like I will tell you, you know, I think it's so interesting. I feel like actors are one way or the other. They're either exactly what you just said. They'll tell you exactly what's happening in their lives or I'm the opposite. I am the person people come to and want to share everything with, but mm. I do not share things in return. Wow. And it was really hard for me in college specifically. In high school, I could like kind of skate by of I'm only vulnerable on stage, but then like in my life, I'm not. And it kind of worked. Right. And once I got to college, I had a professor that was like, you're not going to like this, but for you to hit the next level of your career you have to learn how to be at least a little open with people in your life as yourself. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm actually so intrigued by you then because I <laughs> have always wanted to be able to keep things a little close. I just don't know how, you know what I, mm, I actually recently had a conversation with JJ about this, actually, just about, you know, being kind of a little bit more cautious, which I'm still trying to figure out. And I'm 45 about who can have access? Cause I really give right. everyone access very freely. I just feel like I'm in the business and have been for so long of human connection. And so I just want to kind of get in there, but sometimes, you know, I mean, the evil eye is a real thing. And sometimes I think you do have to be like a little bit careful about who you let into your fold and who you kind of bring into your heart. So I'm, I'm still working on that. No, same. I think there's lovely attributes in both kinds of people. Yes. I hear things like how you said that you just are open and ready to let people in. And I love that. And I wish I was more like that because there are people in my life that I have no reason not to trust them or not let them in on what I'm struggling with. And that actually might help them more than me just pretending like I have it all together and yeah, can offer advice. But yeah. Then there's also, I mean, like you said, there are people that you do let in and they hurt you and like, that's real evidence as well. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's both. I mean, it's hard in this industry. I think, you know, jumping yeah. right into what we do, it's, we're asked a lot of personal questions and we're expected to divulge a lot about ourselves and frequently, and we're expected to, I think, be okay with being really honest and open, but that doesn't mean we have to be in every situation, you know? Yeah. My teacher, I take at the last acting studio and Dawson actually brought me there, but my teacher does this thing that I really appreciate because in college, it was very, you know, tear you down and figure out all of your things and yeah. school. And I really like what my teacher now does. And he'll, if we're doing a personalization or something, or if he's trying to connect the dots a little more for you, he'll be like, do you have a situation like XYZ? Or do you have a person that reminds you of this or a memory? But then he won't ask you to share it. 
he'll be like, just think about it. If you want to share it with us, you can, but there's yeah. no pressure either way. You don't have to tell us your life story, but hold it in your brain. And now we're going to go from there to this. He's like, I don't need to know. But right, right, right. Tell me I can hold it with you, which I think is really nice. That's really nice. That's beautiful. I mean, I, my studio is the imagined life. I, I've studied like everywhere. I oh, I know. I kept I've reading studied- and it was like here and here and here. And here. <laughs> I've studied everywhere in town and in New York, but my mentor, Diana Castle, and I've been at the Imagine Life for a long time. So I, I've actually learned to separate, you know, my personal life from my from my pretend mm-hmm. life. And and that's that's been the work that's resonated with me the best. But yeah, some of those therapeutic acting classes, I was like, oh God, you know, this is a little, a it can get a little, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't really need to go into this right now, you know, in front of the whole class. You said you like separating the two. How do you, how do you do that? Are you more so like leaning into the what if and putting yourself in the character's actual circumstances? Are you still drawing on like emotions that you've experienced, but not putting yourself in that exact same place. Like kind of, how do you navigate that? Gosh, I, it's so, so easy. It's such a different, yeah, it's such a, it's, it's a heavy question because I mean, I'm not, you know, my teacher, my coach, but, and so it's hard to put into the right words. How do I say it? I think that since I was very young, playing pretend was always the reason why I loved acting, you know? So I think for lack of a better term, that's kind of what we're doing. And that's sort of what she's encouraged us to continue to do is play pretend, which is using your imagination. And, and so, yeah, I mean, all things are possible. I think with the use of your imaginations, Uh, am I drawing on my own experiences? I think it's, it's, I'm not specifically drawing on my own life. Like I don't use, and I've studied all, you know, I've studied substitution and I don't use my own life in my acting. I was taught in college to do that. It just didn't resonate with me in the same way because it felt limited. And I hadn't at that time, especially I hadn't had, you know, now I've had so many experiences that I'm like, God, that was really painful or whatever. But even like, I just lost my brother last summer, which I'm very vocal about. And it's a huge part of my personal journey. Thank you. And I've been grieving for a year and it's not ending and but I still don't feel like that experience is going to necessarily serve me in any of my stories because it's a different circumstance in whatever story I'm dealing with. So even though yes, I know what that feels like, I did sort of know what it felt like before too in my imagination because it is as bad as you imagine. Yeah. It to be. It's as painful as if you imagine yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Because there are definitely situations that when I was 18, I hadn't experienced and obviously still I haven't experienced quote unquote that much life things, but even just a five-year difference, I'm like, oh, even though I've experienced it now, what I imagine this to feel like is basically the same. Right. Exactly. That's it. I mean, and if you see kids, I don't know if you've ever seen, which I think we've all as actors seen, is it um, Henry Thomas? It's the ET audition. Yeah. And he's so present and specific and focused. It's such a beautiful audition. And he's what, like 10 years old and just the tears are flowing out. I think he actually was like, I thought about my dog dying or I thought about, you know, like the alien. I knew the alien was my best friend, but it doesn't have to be something I think that you experience for it to be real. And that's like a perfect example. And that's why I think it is a a child's game and it's beautiful to watch children. My son's an actor, actually. He's nine. Oh, cool. So he got the bug. Is it cool, Faith? I'm unsure. (laughs) I was about to say, how do you feel about that? I was like... Is this cool? Do we like this? No. Um, I'm so I'm so proud and excited. And obviously the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I do feel like I have a lot of friends where their kids are sort of replicating what 
what they do or what they love, which is obviously, you know, there is a genetic component to this thing. I was definitely born to two artists. And so he got that from me, I think. And he's he's actually really good, if I may say so myself. I've been coaching him and he's great and he's work, he's booking. and But it's so seamless for him. I mean, it's so interesting because I was a child actor also and I, I watch his process and he doesn't have the self-consciousness yet. It's so beautiful to watch. It's just not even part of it. He's just like, oh, so I, my name is this person. And he's like, wait, what happened? And I'm like, your dad's mad at you because you did this. He's like, okay. And he just jumps right in and has the best time. And he had a director session for a film actually two days ago. And there was like a bunch of people on Zoom. And I, I was like, are you good? He said, I'm not nervous. I'm good. Cause he was just having fun. It's like, oh my God. We try so hard to go back to doing. <laughs> I know. I know. God. And I, and actually it's so funny. Cause I, like I said, I was a child actor. So I so specifically remember when it started to switch and it was like around eighth grade high school where my audition started, I started to get in my head about what I look like, about what, what what they thought of me, you know, all those, all those things that affect us. It's such a mess. <laughs> it's such a mess. It really is. So since you started so young, was there ever a point where you had to kind of refine your love for this? Or was there a certain moment that made you decide, yeah, I'm going to do this for forever? Or was it like, from the first thing you were like, I'm in love. This is it. Oh my God, Faith. How much time do we have? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have been through many breakups and love affairs with acting. I feel like every day I'm like, I should just quit and yes. move to an island and do something else. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. And I did. I did quit for a, a, a decade. With that said, I did know very, very young that this was what I wanted to do and that it was something that I could do and something that I knew I was good at. I had the wherewithal to understand, I think I was five or six when I would watch movies and I would think to myself, oh, I could, I know I could do that. Yeah. And I think my first part, I was like Molly and Annie. And it was a pretty My first show was Annie too. I feel of like course, I think that was all of our first shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, and I was so little, it was a two year run actually, cause it was at this big symphony in uh, San Francisco. And so it was a, it was a two year run and we stopped and started, but I was Molly for two years and I, Crazy. I know it was wild. I just loved it, you know? And I just knew I, I was like, I'm, this is, I'm going to be an actor. Also, I had no doubt. There was no doubt that I would be like a movie star. Like, I I mean, I was like, yeah. I'm definitely, I know other people aren't, aren't going to win the Oscar and that sucks for them, but, I, but I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win and it's going to happen for me. I just know it. And I kept that faith until faith, talking to faith. I kept that faith until I think the doubt really started to creep in, honestly, like in college, probably you're just after college. But I think that is a beautiful thing to believe in your dream, but there's something also about being okay with the dream morphing and changing, which is obviously what I am excited to talk to you about here because I wish that I had the opportunity to talk to myself in my twenties. Right. <laughs> and so I hope there's a lot of girls that are in their twenties listening to your podcast, which I'm sure there are. And yeah, I wish I could face off with her now because I was so wounded when it didn't work out the way that I thought it would. I was just so hurt and so confused. And I also had really supportive, loving parents who were sort of like, you're a star, you know, you're <laughs> you are the, <laughs> the biggest, brightest, shining star. And of course you're going to be a famous movie star. And so I was really hyped up, you know, which is so yeah. 
beautiful and mm-hmm. and they believed in me but I didn't have those kind of tough love conversations that a lot of my friends had of like okay if this doesn't work out you need a backup plan like they were like this is definitely going to work out for you how could anyone not love you you know and I love my mom and dad so much for that but it just kind of made it all so much more heartbreaking when the inevitable rejection comes because it is impossible to get around yeah and I think because we all put so much of ourselves in it even if you don't draw from your own personal experiences you're drawing from like your imagination and your sense of the world and there's so little separation between you and the work that you turned in so it feels like a personal no we didn't like you even though your mind also knows I was probably too tall or I was probably too short or too blonde or too this but yeah. your part is like, no, they didn't like me and they don't like what I have to say. And that is so hurtful. It's so hurtful. But also remember I had, I was in my twenties in the early two thousands. So it was such a different time. And I do feel like your generation is so much more vulnerable about like, you can't treat people like that. And that's actually not nice. And like, that's why I like love Gen Z. Big supporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big supporter of Gen Z. You know, at the time I need to figure out, and I'm so happy to be able to have this platform to talk about it, but I really have to figure out how to really talk about this because it's, it was devastating that I got a lot of things said to me in rooms. Like <clears throat> I was in a room for general hospital once and they told me I was too fat and I was like a hundred and 20 pounds. I mean, I was like, maybe had a little Del Taco freshman, like 15 or whatever, because I was in college and it was in the summer when I, you know, like I was a little fluffy or bloated. I drank too much beer, whatever. I was like, oh my God, you know, it was so devastating. And then I've been pretty vocal about this. I am of mixed culture and I, Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about how, you know, in the early days I was told a lot that I was not, I was not Asian enough to play the friend and then I was not white enough to play the lead. Mm-hmm. So I would be told in the room with the casting director, like, that was a great read, but we don't know how to cast you. You you definitely can't play the lead. You're not white enough. So basically you can't do your job because it's yeah. your job to cast. So <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And agents would say the same thing, you know, like we don't know how to place you. You don't have the right look. It was such a brutal, I mean, this is the time of Perez Hilton. It's like some of the things that yeah. would that we would read about and people were so misogynistic and sexual harassment was a totally normal thing on sets and in workplace. You know, I worked at a restaurant and it was just a totally different time than it is now. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm having a rebirth as an actor and an artist in this new form where I can be a little bit more of who I am, where it's accepted to be ethnically ambiguous ambiguous look like that's like a cool thing now you know it's a vibe now and it wasn't before (laughs) so coupled with the fact that just the normal rejection that was just so heavy so heavy which is so heartbreaking because most of us fell in love with the art not the fame part like it's cool to be like oh I could be famous and wear expensive clothes and people would know who I am that's alluring but I don't think that's for most of us the first thing that we fell in love with about this that's right. Yeah. It was no, to create I just wanted something. to create and I just wanted to tell yeah. stories. I just wanted to play pretend and tell stories. And yeah. I still do, actually. That's still what I want out of it. You know, that's all I want. So that was that was really hard. There was it was rejection on top of just really questioning if I even had a place in the industry because of the way that I looked. And I was confused by it also because I didn't grow up 
my mom's grew up in New York. So she, yes, she's of Indonesian and Saudi culture, but she grew up in New York city. So I was just raised very like regular, you know, like I was like, I'm white. I don't know. And then I would go into rooms and they would be like, no, this is not, this is, this can't work. You can't. And I actually lost a couple of roles. They said there was one, it was a play actually. It was for six degrees of separation, which I guess is understandable because of the theme, but they said you had the best read and we would have loved to have cast you as the daughter, but there's no way because you don't look like you could be their daughter. Now, of course, no one cares, right? They're just doing mixed casts all also, over like, the place. We're playing pretend. We're asking you to right. buy into this story. Right. The, the, the audience isn't going to buy into the fact they know that we're not related. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can yeah. see our last names on the program. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. They can use their imaginations too. It's going to be okay. Story. <laughs> right, right. Different time really different time. I can't imagine having that layer on top of what this industry already is. I know. I don't think I would have lasted long at all. Yeah. It was really, really hard. I mean, the amount of insecurity that I had, it was so painful. And I was really on top of the world when I graduated USC theater school. I was really, you know, I was nominated for one of the awards when I was a senior. I was just at the top of my game when I graduated. And so I thought, of course, we all think when we once we graduate college and we have a degree. Here I come. (laughs) Yeah, here I come world. And obviously in our industry, it's difficult no matter what. So that's just a fact. But there was an added layer there. And then I was just my spirit was completely broken. And then I met my husband. And of course he was my boyfriend at the time because I was 23 when I met him, which is wild. That's crazy. So young. Yeah. It's probably how old you are, right? Are you 23? I'm 24, but new 24. 24. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I know it's so crazy. Like I can't believe that we met that young. It was a corrective experience in a lot of ways because I felt valued and loved for who I was after I'd been so beat down for a couple of years, feeling so not valued for who I was. And he just immediately got me, you know, like my sense of humor, my sensibility as an artist. And I just felt so loved. And so I started to kind of heal, Mm -hmm. thankfully, through this relationship. How'd you guys meet? We met through a friend, actually. A friend of mine went to college with him and she introduced us when we were on a trip in Tahoe. And it was kind of like an immediate thing. We were, you know, there's that quote that um, we were together. I don't remember the rest is kind of how it went down. But (laughs) It was really sweet and we've been together a long time. And I I don't want to say, oh, it was because I fell in love that I healed because obviously we can all do that on our own as well. But sometimes having a person be like, hey, you're amazing. You're amazing. And I will take you you out of it and you can be like, yes, yes, yes. I kind of just needed that because I was so broken. And then right after we got married, you know, I started just really thinking a lot about how about what I wanted and and what I craved as an artist that I was not getting in Los Angeles. And I would talk to him a lot about how I really wanted to move to New York and do theater. And, you know, I grew up doing theater and I come from the stage and I felt like I would be more whole there. And he had always wanted to live there as well. So we kind of, we just bought a house. Our friends were all getting married and starting to have like their first baby. And we were like, peace out. We're moving to New York City. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. So we moved to New York and it was supposed to be for a year and we ended up there for 10 years. That was a corrective experience as an artist for me. So that's Mm -hmm. a whole other chapter of life that thank God I had that because I cannot even express in words what a difference New York City felt like as an actor 
than LA at the time. What do you think it was? Like if you had to kind of, I know you just said you couldn't express it, but. <laughs> well, just, I can't. <laughs> just like, but I take I it back. <laughs> <laughs> like what made it so much more fulfilling and corrective for you as a creative person? I think just to circle back with where we started in this conversation and just what had beat me down so much mm-hmm. was in terms of the way that I looked, the the physical aspect of casting was taken out of it. It was like New York was already kind of 10 years ahead of the game, right? So like where we are now in terms of really celebrating someone being ethnically ambiguous, they were already doing that there because the stage just doesn't discriminate in the same way. It never has. And that's why I just will always love the theater so much. But it's really about the work. It's more about your training and your work. So I immediately felt embraced by the community, theater community. I also found that I was going out to parties when I was living in LA and I was networking and meeting agents and casting directors and other actors and producers and directors. And they would say, oh, you're an actress. What have you been in? That kind of, and I would immediately just... It would make me want to cry sometimes if I'm going to be straight up. Like I would feel so much shame that I hadn't done enough. And I would say, well, I did this pilot. Oh, did it get picked up? No. And it was like, okay, well, unless you were the biggest up and coming actress, it felt like you were just a piece of shit. I felt like a piece of shit. Honestly, that was so glaring. It was such a glaring difference when I got to New York that I would go out to the same kind of parties and I would be networking But it wasn't just industry people there because LA is such a one industry town. So there was lawyers there. There were art collectors. There were painters. There were photographers. There were writers. Just like creatives. Creatives. Just creatives. And then people who were in business too. But everyone's mixing together because New York just is such a more collective experience. It's also a great equalizer in a lot of ways. You have to kind of, everyone lives in an apartment no matter how much money you have. Yeah, you can have a bigger (laughs) one or a smaller one, but you're all in an apartment. So everyone goes out and mingles outside, I would say the same thing. I'm an actor. And they'd say, oh my God, that's so amazing. What are you working on? And I was just like, (laughs) I mean, I was blown (laughs) away. It took my breath away. Honestly, in the beginning, I I was moved to tears a lot. And I would say to my husband, like, I just feel the level of support is so much different. I would do plays and people would come (laughs) like they would actually show up and not just other actors showing up to support, you know, your fellow actors, which we all do. People outside of the business would just be like, I love seeing theater. What are you doing? What are you working on? Tell me everything. Really? people, yeah, really amazing. Or people who aren't even in the business who have nothing to do with it would say that they love going to see shows. I really found like I found my people. And then I started a production company with a friend of mine who is also a great actress. And and we started producing theater as well. We produced some off-Broadway shows and readings and and worked with some incredible people. I, I was watching, you know, Deborah Messing and watching people on stage consistently that were like this close to me that I I felt like there was just a level of respect because we were in this same community of theater actors in New York City. It just felt so different than being in a party in LA and seeing someone and pretending you don't, you know, see them or I don't know. It just felt like a totally different energy. And I just worked with some really incredible playwrights, incredible actors. And I always laugh that there is a, there is a secret golden ticket to working on stage in New York 
and I think to working in LA, which I don't know if I should give the secret out. Should I tell everyone on your podcast, Faith, or should I tell you in private? (laughs) My mom will know now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I discovered is that it is, it is a click, the New York stage scene. So while it's accepting, if you go to Juilliard, you have an in. And that is one thing I have a friend who I went to USC with. And at 22, she decided to go to graduate school at Juilliard. And I remember we had done a play outside. We were standing outside of the Electric Lodge Theater in Venice. And this was in like 2003. And we had just finished a play. And I said to her, why would you go to graduate school? Like, don't you just want to start working? You're so brilliant. And you know, you can do it. She's like, I know I can do it, but I don't trust this business. And I'm going to go to Juilliard where I know that I'll get in. And she did. And she's on Broadway and she's in shows. And, you know, it's just, it's that, it's that networking in that it kind of immediately puts you on the Broadway track. And once you're on the Broadway track, if you want to make this film TV switch, it's, I think a little bit easier. So that's one thing. That's one regret that I have actually. And also because I love school. I love school. I still love school. I can tell. (laughs) You can. (laughs) Oh, that's so, that's I a compliment. Thank all you. of the things I was like, this girl went back and then did this and then did this. I know. I love learning. I just like, I love, love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And I loved college and I loved, I went, I studied in London and I love being around other actors in a conservatory setting. And I just, I love the journaling process. I love going deep. I just, I love it. I think it's that especially when you're in a forced group of creatives, you automatically have that like connection with these people and almost this access to their creativity, which is really special. Like you said, in contrast to when you move to LA or New York and you just have to start and meet people and hope for the best. That's a very differing experience. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So when you went from both cities, how did you, you had your friends from certain places, like from USC, but it's hard for me sometimes to balance kind of like what you were saying. There is a business side of this and there is kind of a schemey, clicky, you have to figure out how to get in. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of do that while creating a true community of people that you trust and without feeling like you're presenting only the business person of you and not you as an artist. Does that make sense? In LA? Either one. (laughs) (laughs) How do you create like your artist community? When I'm forced in like my conservatory class, easy. We were all 12 people hanging out for four years. Yes, of course. That's a built-in community. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you do choose your class wisely, right? But our classes are our community. There are support system, there are a network of actors, and then it's like like-minded, but also because I love school so much, I keep in touch with probably not every person, but a lot of people <laughs> that I've studied with in a lot of different places. We're either on Facebook together and, it, and it's like, we can just pick up right where we left off. So I think over time, you just sort of build and build relationships with those kinds of people. And then who to trust in terms of, you know, it's interesting now because I feel like everyone seemed so big and so scary in my twenties. And I remember I was hostessing at this like really hot spot in Beverly Hills. And I was like 22 and these people would come in and then the other girls that worked there with me would be like, Oh my God, that's that agent at UTA. He's like so scary. And they just seemed so, everyone seemed so terrifying and so powerful. And now they're all my peers that are Mm -hmm. in those positions. And I'm like having drinks together and talking about our kids and yeah, (laughs) you know, it's just a, it just shifts. It's like, we all grow together. And then I think also 
the piece of wisdom that I can add is that a lot of that bullshit goes away when people mature and get older. A lot of the arrogance that I would experience from people that I thought were so much bigger and more powerful, then I see them 10 years later and they're so much more humble and kind. The truth of the matter is we all go through shit in life. Life has ups and downs. No one is immune to that. Everybody experiences sadness, loss, shifts that deeply impact who you are as a person. I was immune to it for a long time. I had a pretty idyllic childhood and everything went easy for me until I graduated college and I couldn't get work as an actor. That was my first experience into like, oh my God, life is not just going to hand me everything. Unfortunately, that trajectory just continues where you just have peaks and valleys. And so I think it's easier to foster a community once you have a little more life experience because everybody has life experience. And so people are just more open and more trustworthy as time goes on is all I can say. And then also the people that are in your life now that you love and trust will probably be the same people in 20 years. Most of my best friends are still my best friends from college. You know, there's an exceptional few that I've really connected with in the later years. And, and then in the childbearing, you know, I had two kids, so I, made a lot of mom friends who were also former artists or not, you know, but we connected on a different level, but maybe their industry, maybe they're on the business side of things. I hope I answered your question. I actually no, don't know you if I did. <laughs> okay. I'm like, is this what she was asking? I mean, are, what, are, are you afraid someone's going to like stab you in the back? Like what's the big no, fear? It's just the, I don't do well with the whole networking in the sense of oh, I should be seen here. And like, I need to talk to this person and I need to like get in with this crew. That's not really me. I'm a very homebody person. I like to be with people, but I'm also like a very introverted extrovert. I like to be missed at the party, but I don't like the party to be about me. I totally get that. I (laughs) love that for you. And I love it. I would say you don't need to give a shit. Don't give a shit. And this is one of the moments where I wish that I had was talking to myself at 23, 24, because honestly, selfishly, this is why I do this so that I can figure it out now. (laughs) Yes. It's so great. I went to all the parties. Oh my God, it doesn't fucking matter. It does not matter. And in fact, I was also talking to JJ about this when we were first hanging out last year. I said, you know, if I could do one thing differently, I would just put so much more into the work because I wasted so much time being hung over because I thought if I don't go to that party, I'm going to miss some opportunity. Like I was on the dance floor next to Justin and Brittany. It did nothing for me to dance next to Justin and Brittany. You know what I mean? All of that didn't do anything. It just created more of a hangover. And then I was like, I wasted the day the next day. I was like, I got to get to the gym and then I have to, it's just being a homebody is fantastic. It really doesn't, I think networking in an appropriate way, like go see theater that's that you've heard is wonderful in LA. Go to movie premieres if you ever get invited. Of course, do things that are artistically inspiring for your soul. But having to go to like the cool club with your friends, if you want to go have a fun night, do it, certainly. But it didn't, it doesn't do anything. You're not missing out on anything. And I totally suffered from FOMO when I was young. One of my best friends from high school and college, we were roommates and she worked in PR. So she would host all these parties that were like, young Hollywood party at mm-hmm. da, 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 da. And I was like, I have to go. Oh my God. If I don't go. And it's like, what if I don't go? What? I like, I got to see Paris Hilton right there. Like, I, I, nothing changed in my life. My trajectory yeah. of my life would not have changed if I had not been there. And I had just read my book and gone to bed. Yeah. I think it's just because there's so many different 
because our career isn't a surefire, you come in at an entry-level job and then you become the manager and then you have a meeting and then you get a promotion and then you become the CEO. Of there isn't a set path. So then anybody that tells you the story of how they quote unquote made it, my brain is like, ah, okay. So I yeah. should do exactly that. Yes. Yes. Being discovered at the party is not even, I mean, I I think I'd sooner win a lottery ticket, but putting the work in. And I actually think that besides the Juilliard ticket, I think the ticket is making your own things happen, which you're already so ahead of the game by doing this podcast. It's incredible. And I just started to figure that out. I think I had beginnings of figuring that out when I was in New York by starting a production company and I wrote a play there, which I put up. So I sort of had the beginnings of that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is how to do it. And then I simultaneously had two kids and so I was raising them. So I did take, (laughs) you know, just that whole thing. So that took some time off, but that's a whole other thing too, is there's a lot of responsibility placed on us as women and young women too, because, you know, childbearing years are your thirties. I know it seems like far away, but it comes up pretty fast. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I'm in this whole other world. And of course they take precedence if you decide to do that and have a family. I, I have a lot of friends that decided as actresses that they did not want to do that because they wanted to put their career first. And they worked a lot more than I did, but I had to take 10 years off to raise my kids. And I I didn't want to not have that experience. I wanted to be a mom. So it's a tricky balance. And so I'm just kind of getting back to what I think. And the, the fact that I'm, I mean, just to let you know, I'm still trying to figure it out at 45. I mean, but... same. Half the stuff I say, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to listen to this in two years and be like, wow, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. No, but even just having these conversations is so helpful. But making your own things happen, writing your own stories, producing your own shorts. I just finished my first script and I'm in a writing class. And I I mean film script because I've written plays, but I wish that I had done that years ago. But it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. And I was a little busy with these two little crazy boys that I have. But, you know, it's, it's really the only way because the formula of, having an agent and going out and booking mm-hmm. the lead in a movie. I don't think it's a real formula. I think that we are tricked to thinking that that's the formula and it doesn't work unless you are somebody famous's daughter or son. Yeah. You know, unless you're a Nepo baby, my friends who are Nepo babies are working all over the place. That's a totally different thing. I think it's an antiquated formula and I think maybe it worked in the 80s and the early 90s and it doesn't anymore. You have to make your own things happen and you have to put yourself on the map. And then once you do, maybe something comes out of that. It took me a long time to get here. But like I said, I feel like I'm having a rebirth because I'm excited now and I don't put my son gets triple the amount of opportunities you know, in auditions that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he gets a call every day cause he's nine. <laughs> this is amazing. And the pool is a lot smaller and I get, I unfortunately only get like a, a great opportunity once, in, especially with the strike and everything. Yeah. I haven't had any as of recently, but I feel light about it because I feel mm-hmm. like it doesn't really matter that I'm not getting the audition because I'm making my own stories happen and I'm going, I'm very committed to making those stories happen. And why would I think that I can't make my own films or make my own plays? I mean, I, of course we can, that's who we are. I think it's become so much more accessible and just in the same way as people told you, you don't fit in this versus now you have every color, every shape, every size on screen so that every little kid can see themselves on screen and think I can do it. 
Yes. I also have so many friends who are making things and producing things and directing things that I'm like, oh, if you can do it, I think I could do it. Absolutely. It's so much more comforting than if I would have come here, like you said, in like 2003 and been like, I'm going to do my own thing. That sounds terrifying. Yes. Yes, totally. And I think that the business has shifted also in this really beautiful way where it was kind of like indie films were like a a different thing back then. And now so much content is being created and they need content on these streaming platforms and it might as well be yours. You know what I mean? So go get, go make it. They, they need content. I just think it's easier to just kind of put your thing out there now than it was before. YouTube didn't exist. I mean, actually, I think I got on YouTube because I was doing singing and stuff on there and like 2007 or something, but the way that you can put shorts on YouTube now, or even TikTok as a medium has changed. (laughs) I became TikTok famous during quarantine. Amazing joke about it. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That I was like, oh my God, this is just, I was sitting there bored, trapped in my house with my two kids and my husband, you know, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, this is short form content. This is incredible. Like I- Short form sketches. (laughs) Yeah, short form sketches. I can direct and act and produce in this thing and press post. It's changed so much. I think it's- It's a really great time to be an artist. It's a really great time to be an actor as as long as we get past this strike. Right. As long as we get past this part. I know. Um, Yeah. It's made me a lot more optimistic because obviously I didn't have the same amount of pushback that you did, but when I was younger, it was still of like, once you hit 29, you're done in the entertainment industry as a woman. And now I think it's still there, but it's switching a little bit to production companies like Hello Sunshine and a couple of other ones that push for the quote unquote older female narratives of like women don't stop being people when they hit 30 and they have these full lives to live and people want to see that on the screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's really lovely how people are realizing that. And it's much more comforting to see Meryl Streep still in really big stuff and to see Reese Witherspoon in things and Carrie Washington in things and all these women who have been moms and are now back and still at their peak and everybody is still obsessed with them. And it's great. And I think totally so nice to see as a girl who for a while it was like, well, you don't get it by 29, then you better get married and move on with your life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, ageism, especially in our business is a very, very real thing. And yeah, I I think I went through that too. I actually remember saying when I would run into friends from school or I would see people at events in New York, this is after I had the kids. So I was probably Mm -hmm. my mid thirties and they would say, are you still acting? And I'd be like, are you kidding me? It's too late for me now. And I still struggle with that. You know, is it too late? Because people tell you that. People tell you that. I mean, that's what that's been ingrained in us. It's like, it's too late. It's over. It's not going to happen. And I still fall back on that a lot, by the way. I still go there sometimes. Like, am I too old? Is it too late? But it's like too old to do what? Be a storyteller? No, it's never going to be. Interestingly enough, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who's a casting director now. And she had a woman come in who is in her 70s who's acting. Mm -hmm. And she said she had a beautiful conversation with her. And the woman said, I am booking everything. I am booking more than I ever did in my 30s or 40s or 50s. She goes, because so many women so sadly thought it's too late for me. But now the pool is so much smaller. I'm getting all the jobs. She's like, I'm cleaning up. Like That is brilliant. You know, it's like just if you love it, hang in there. 
And also, I don't fantasize anymore about my Oscar speech. You know, I think I did that for a long time. Like, what oh, we all say? did. I've we given all... it to my stuffed animals. Exactly. Like yeah, I've held the fake statue. Yeah, I've given it to my my dolls. And I think I thought if this doesn't happen for me, that I would die. Like, I'm like, if it doesn't happen for me, I might die. And now I realize kind of, well, I realize so much, but looking at my life, my life has been really beautiful and full and it has not turned out the way I expected because I did not stand on that stage and win an Oscar yet. Yet. But right yet, keyword, because it could still happen at any point. But I have a beautiful family. I'm continuing to create art that is inspiring to me. I'm continuing to be around people that are inspiring to me as artists and creators. And I'm just still in it. And I think me continuing to choose it is a testament to how much I love acting. And Falling in love with it again in the last year, especially, has been really beautiful because I finally have the time and space because of my kids' ages to get back to it. And I was afraid for a long time to say, I'm going to start acting again because I was, I was so afraid about what people might think, or Mm -hmm. are they going to think I haven't done enough because I took 10 years off? Is it too late? Am I too old? And all of the thoughts, right? But it's like, again, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I love it and I'm good at it. (laughs) I'm fucking good at it. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? And I'm just going to keep loving it and enjoying being a storyteller. So in a lot of ways, yes, my life is not exactly how I thought it would be. And in a lot of ways, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's better. It's better than I thought. How did you move away from the huge idea of if I don't get this, I might die and not going from that to the total opposite of it's never going to happen for me. And I should just deal with that. How did you kind of find a middle ground of, I can still work towards this, but it doesn't have to be who I am to my core. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a process. If I'm going to be honest, because yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. It's a process. (laughs) It's not, there's no easy answer. It takes time. Life happens and things, you know, the only thing constant is change. And so inevitably when you live, you have experiences in your life that shape and change who you are as a person. And you have to deal with different things that come up and different things that happen. And you will It's so, it's like, it makes me actually so moved. I'm like so profoundly moved. I'm like, I want to cry because I'm looking at you. It's such a reflection of who I was. It's like, you will fall in love and you probably will have a family. If you choose to do that, that's your choice. And you'll have highs and lows in your career. And you might say at some point, fuck acting. I never want to do this again. I hate these people or I hate, it doesn't feel, it doesn't fulfill me, but that'll still be your choice. And then you may come back to it or not. But it will be your choice. It won't be something which I thought that it would be where acting doesn't choose you. So you just feel like you're heartbroken for the rest of your life. That's the lie that you'll probably tell yourself in your 20s. And it's not true. If you choose to take a break from it, it's your choice. If you want to keep going, you're going to keep going. You'll work. Of course you will. And are you going to be a big time movie star? Maybe. And if you're not, you're still going to create beautiful stories and be a storyteller and an actor. And there's just something so freeing about just kind of owning that. Also, I think in your 20s, there's a lot of shame placed on you feeling like you have to hit a certain level of success, you know, like you don't even want 
to keep doing it if, unless you have the ultimate success. But the ultimate success changes. What that means when you're in your 20s is just being really successful as an actor, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're my age, what that means is having people in your life that you can trust, having people that love you, having a beautiful family, if that's something that you choose, having a beautiful partner, if that's something you choose, still having a close relationship with your parent. It's just, it changes into such a bigger view than Mm -hmm. the industry. The industry is just, it's like nothing. doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I just want you to know it's going to work out. It's all going to work out. No, it, it is. And I just, I wish that I had told myself that. And I, and I wish I had told myself to work harder. I really do. I, I was a little bit lazy if I'm going to be totally honest, which of course I am. Cause I'm me and I'm going <laughs> to overshare with you. Babe, here, it but, is. But here it is. But I was, I was definitely like a little bit lazy. And I thought that it should be handed to me because I was talented. Talent is only one leg of it. You still have to put so much work in. In your opinion, what would that quote unquote work have been? Sometimes my mind is like, maybe I should enroll in literally every single screenwriting and acting (laughs) and technique and different school so that I can get all of these other random things, even though I already have a BFA. Maybe I should actually just go to (laughs) London. Maybe I should do this. Like I get so overwhelmed on what is the right quote unquote way to work hard at this. So what would you say if you could go back? God, that's so hard work. I know that's hard because I think I could have worked harder slash. I also like at the time there were, there were these places called like one-on-one. I don't even know if those things exist anymore, but you would pay to go to these casting director workshops. You would literally pay for a casting director to, to audition you. And then if they liked you, they would put you into a potential pool. But the truth was there were like the casting director's assistant that would show up. Anyway, it was a very like early 2000s thing. I would go to those like three nights a week and and class and I can beat myself up and say I didn't work hard enough. But who knows if that would have changed the trajectory of my life or not? I mean, who knows? And monetarily, you're... Trying to pay rent in LA and, yes. and do all of this stuff and have a day job. Yes, it's a lot. It's just a lot. So what would I have done differently? I would have written more and created more. Obviously, at the time, there were two young, hot white guys. But like the Matt Damon, Ben <laughs> Affleck, like Goodwill hunting card, they did it. They were working occasionally as actors, guest stars here and there. And then they wrote this amazing screenplay and changed their whole lives. And now they're both movie stars. Also, I want to say when I was young, being a movie star sounded so amazing because movie stars were movie stars. Now I also feel like, honestly, sometimes I'm like being famous sounds awful. I don't want that. Like, I don't (laughs) want to be torn apart in the, I don't want people to talk shit about me. That's not why I'm doing this. I just want to do things that I care about and be able to say no to projects that I don't like. Exactly. (laughs) And I want to be consistently working. You know, I think we all just want to be consistently working. So that whole idea of fame, that's a mixed bag as well. So just even Mm -hmm. taking that off the table, I think we we all just want to tell great stories and be working as much as we can be. I want to be on a set as much as I can. What would I have done differently? I think written more. And then I don't know. I did a lot of it. I mean, I did go to London. I did do, I did do. I was like, I feel like lazy is probably not the best word based on what you've done. (laughs) I know it's so funny because 
<laughs> I I was actually thinking the other day, oh, maybe I want to start teaching or do something a little bit. So I called one of my professors from USC and was talking to her about, oh, I would love to, I think, go to back to school and maybe teach <laughs> college kids. Yeah, here we go. And maybe teach college kids. And she's like, it was, it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And I was thinking of the next, you know, 40 years of my life, I do want to kind of give back to the artistic community and so anyway, I made this resume and I was like, oh, I mean, I haven't worked in a while. I've been with my kid being a mom for 10 years. And, and then I looked at all the stuff I've done and I was like, God, it adds up. It really does. And I started going, I have done a lot of shit, actually. I don't need to beat myself up. Like I've done yes. a lot of amazing things. Sometimes I think you have to check yourself and be like, I am doing it. I'm doing the best I can in an impossible industry. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's basically impossible. Yeah. It feels like, have you seen the Barbie movie? I love it. Like Loved when it. they're accepting the award, but they're in the kingdom and she's like, I just don't know how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the other one, she's like, I worked really hard for this and yeah. I did it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> and also that monologue, I mean, it makes me cry every time. It's like, it's so hard to be a woman. It really is. And it's, it's crazy that it took until 2023. Everyone's like, Barbie is just so amazing. It's like, yeah, but we've, we've had to deal with that for so like forever. I mean, we have so much pressure on us. All my male friends are just continuing to work and work and work. They're just working nonstop. And because, because the ageism thing doesn't matter for them and their wives are home with their kids while they're yeah. continuing to work as actors. So it's like, we have so much more on our plate as women. We just have to go easier on ourselves. Totally. That's what always gets me too. Cause I teach kiddos theater. Which I is love super that. Fun Cause that was who I was my whole life. The only sleepaway camp I ever went to was musical theater camp. I love that nerd. so much. I love that so, <laughs> so much. So I teach them and it's such a good time and I love them. I've always wanted to be a mom at some point and not anytime soon. Not anytime um, soon. But <laughs> <laughs> Putting that out there. But I've always like, I want to have a family. I want to have a partner. I want to have all those things. But I also just as much want this career and I want to make these things with people and I want to create. And all the time I'm like, like with partners that I've had, it's the discussion of, yeah, I want kids, but we're going to have to figure out when, because your career doesn't go on hold. Mine does. That's right. So like, that's such a sad reality that there's not really like a way to fix. It is a sad reality, but let me tell you, by the time you get there, it was all I could think about. Like I was obsessed. Yeah. Like it was like, I, I, would, I remember it was my 31st birthday. I was a late bloomer actually. I feel like my friends already all had like two kids. Oh, I've been in three weddings this year. Yeah, yeah. It's around 24, 25. And all of a sudden the weddings start happening really fast. And then the baby, it's it's wild. You're like, oh my God, this is happening. This is, this is all happening. And then all of a sudden the babies start happening. And then <laughs> you're all of a sudden in this next phase. So yeah, it does happen really fast. But yeah, I, I was a late bloomer, but it was like someone turned a light switch on inside my body. I was like, all of a sudden I just was obsessed. Like I would see babies and I would just want to start crying. I was like, I want a baby. And then I was having such a hard time. I had two miscarriages. And so it was Ugh. all I could think about. I could have given a shit about acting at that time. So that's what I'm saying. Like you have to also go with the ebbs and flows 
that you will experience in your life. You're going to go through phases where this doesn't feel as important as it does right now. And that's okay. You know, right now it feels really important to me again. And I'm excited that I love it again. I, I, I was afraid it wouldn't come back. And it's, it's like back with a vengeance. Yes. You'll have to put it on hold, but you'll want to put it on hold. And that feels much more surmountable than just the you're done. Yes, it does. Because it doesn't feel like you're giving something up. It feels like you're just gaining something. I remember my girlfriend, I was going into labor the next day because it was, uh, it was planned. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's a whole other talk when you get there one day, Faith. (laughs) We'll talk in like seven years. But, um, but she called me and she was like, she was an actress also. And she was like, just get ready. You're going to have that baby tomorrow and you're going to hold that baby. And it's going to be better than any fucking Oscar you could have ever imagined in your life. And I was like, wait, really? She's like, I swear to you, it's better than that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But that, that fantasy has always been pretty like solid. I, I don't think it could be a bad. She's like, it's going to be. And yeah, it was pretty, it was, oh. it was better. It was better. It was, That's yeah. so lovely. Pretty full circle, amazing moment. It's next level. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were all, at least for me, especially being in a, like a conservatory, it's the thing of you are an actor. So put your life on hold or you don't care about this as much. Yes. Yeah. You're like almost like work shamed a little bit. Like if you don't, yes. If you don't put yourself on hold, then, then maybe you didn't want it that bad. Yeah. You didn't really want it. You didn't really want it. Puts us in an impossible position. Which also our whole art is drawing on life experience. Yes. But then we're told not to go experience. Right. Exactly. No, exactly. And I don't know if you know this movie. There was a film in, in the 90s called Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Where, okay, good. Yeah, it's because it's one of the best. So I always say a sliding doors moment, but I don't think there's a wrong door. So I could have not had kids. I think I would have been really heartbroken about not having them, but let's just mm-hmm. say I didn't. And I really put full force into my acting career. I have girlfriends, like I said, that did that. And then they're mm-hmm. in a great place. They've worked a lot more than I have, but I also have a family. So it's yeah. like, there's just trade-offs. I don't think one door is better than the other. It all works out in some in some way that was meant for the beautiful, magnificent design that is your life. It's a beautiful way to look at it instead of just one or the other, which I yes. feel like is how it's framed a lot. <laughs> it is how it's framed a lot. Yeah. And it's not the way it really is, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Yes. <laughs> and you're very educated. In my very educated. <laughs> Everyone go to my website and see how much education I have had. Oh, I'm going to list it all out in the intro oh, so that they can really feel it when they Thank come you, in. babe. You're going to hype me up. I love yeah, it. I love how you were like, do you have any accolades? And I was like, oh, Brad, yeah. Brad, yeah. do it. <laughs> this is the place. Should I send her to the website or no? <laughs> Here, humble brags. Do you have anything that you want to drop? Your Instagram or your website or anything that you oh, want people to know about? That is so so sweet. Thank you. I think that whether it's music or or plays or writing a screenplay or acting or uh, my podcast, I'm always doing something because I have to, right? We have to creatively fill up our cups. I mean, I actually get depressed when I'm not doing something creative. Like I have to. So right now I'm doing this podcast called Sibling Grievery and I would love if anyone wanted to follow it. We have an Instagram and also follow me on Instagram, Aziza Rowan. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'll link them in the show notes too. So people can just click it. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're so lovely. And it was such a fun hour. And I'm so proud of you. I know we just met, but I feel like what you're doing, what you're building here is really an amazing community. And you're really good at this. Like really good. Yeah. I appreciate it. I thank you for all of your advice and just your sincerity. And I can like feel that you want good things for me. And that's a really lovely thing to feel from people that don't know you very well. 
Yes, I do. And there's going to be amazing things coming your way. Thanks. Well, I'll probably email you or like text you and pick your brain about life things or when I mess up. Whenever you want. No, one of my love languages is text. So feel free to text me whenever you want. Perfect. Ask me any questions. Yes, I'll be your like fairy. I don't want to say god. Yeah, godmother. Fairy godmother. That's cute. You're giving like more like fun big sister vibes than I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God, Alexa just heard me. Thank you. I think I am more big sister. No, I always say that I identify as 28. So I'll just do big sister vibes. Yeah. But I actually just this last year developed more relationships with more friendships with people in their 20s. And it feels really, really good to be able to kind of hold this space for them and be like, it's going to be okay because I know what it's like to be like a struggling artist. And there's so much beauty inside of all of you, like awesome little artists. I don't want anyone to feel like the business is going to take that away from you because it can't, it just can't. It's just not how it's going to turn out for you. I know it. Yeah. Well, without you, it's just the blind leading the blind because we all call each other and we're like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> sucks. Yeah, no, it's fine. And by the way, I still don't know what I'm doing, but. But it feels like at least you've done some of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a work, it's a work in progress. And it, no matter what, I know it's going to be okay. Well, this was so fun. So I fun. hope you have a great rest of your night Thank and you so I'll much, definitely honey. be texting you. <laughs> Yes, please. Anytime. And I'm going to, I'm, I want you to keep me posted on all the things you're doing creatively too. So I okay, can great. support you, you too. For sure. That was so fun. Thank you so much, Faith. Thank you. Okay. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.